Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Joseph Bohr Podcast and the JB Podcast Network. Get excited because we have an epic, crazy, super fun episode for you guys to listen to today. We have former pro wrestling superstar, my former gym teacher, and current head coach at Hilton Head High School for the Seahawks, BJ Payne. Coach Payne, we talk about gym class. We talk about Lexington. We share some inside jokes. We share some laughs. Producer Snowman joins us. We talk about pro wrestling. We talk about coaching and we even find out how the world-famous All-American Football Camp hosted by, you guessed it, B.J. Payne, turned into what it is today. So get excited, and here's B.J. Payne. Nice. You want to do high school or college? College. Yeah, you know, I always tell, because you know, I've had a lot of players go and do that, and I always tell them, because they're trying to decide which one they want to do, I always tell them, go to college like you're used to not having money. Right. You get a GA or get a student assistant. If you get eight grand or something like that, plus your master's paid for, you're used to it. If you go into high school and you start teaching and coaching, and let's just yeah. even first year salary, let's say you make 40 grand, you get used to that paycheck. Right. You know, it's kind of like the kid who always says, oh, I'm going to take a year off of high school and then go to college. And they get a job right. and get their own. Well, they get used to that life. So, yeah, yeah. Go, go to the college route while you're broke. Right, that and, you know, it's a lot easier to just get into the college world, I guess, right after playing rather than, you know, going and coaching somewhere I don't, for a few years and then trying to get back into it. You guys got Ollie up there, right? Yeah, yep, yep, Ollie came up there. I, I saw him at the year. National Coaches Convention. Him and yeah, I, Gilbert, Gilbert too, right? Yep, oh yeah. He, he actually just retired now that... Gilbert did? Yeah, he retired. Yep. Wow. Oh wow. Well, he's like eighty-five years old. <laughs> yeah, that was like I think it was his fiftieth. Uh, he just finished his fiftieth year coaching. So yeah, you could tell him I said that. He's old as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, get, I see him every year at the convention. So. All right. Well, before we get too deep into this, we're having a little pre-conversation here, but we're here with BJ Payne, former pro wrestling superstar, and then of course current Hilton Head head football coach. So we're just talking about. Like we, we don't we're not going back to the Midwest. We're talking about coaching. Here's the other thing I was telling AJ coach was um, what I love about out here. It's the by far the best time zone to watch sports by far. That, that makes sense. You know, I was like, what are you guys mountain? We're mountain time, but we don't practice daylight savings. So half the year we're, we act like California where we're three hours behind the East Coast. And then when daylight savings kicks in, we go to two. So we're back and forth. Yeah, that's a, that's one of those things where, you know, I always, you know, anytime I've like, been to Vegas, you know, yep. stuff like that, it's Sunday morning, you wake up at 10 a.m. and you got yeah. football. Oh, it's ready to go. And it's 10. And then, and, you know, kickoff for the late game is at 6.30. Like, it's it's great. Right. It's, it's, it's incredible. Or 5.30, actually. Right. right? Oh, yeah. 5.30 if you're on California time, right. so you can go to bed at a normal time and go work the next day. You just got to make sure you don't you don't get too cranked up Saturday <laughs> night so you can wake up at 10 a.m. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, you have to be a little opportunistic there. I want to speak of living on the edge here. Um, I have something written down here. I don't, I don't want to misquote you. On April 17th, 2020, you tweeted, you're supposed to be a leader of men. You know, you're a coach, you're a father. And you tweeted, I run with scissors. What's that all about? 
I tweeted, well, I'm sorry, you kind of went in and out on me. What did it say? You tweeted, I run with scissors, or did someone get a hold of your Twitter account? <laughs> no, no, that's funny because, uh, so I don't know if you ever heard the, you ever heard the, the term about running with scissors, but, right. uh, you know, uh, last summer my mom passed away. Okay. And um, my sister had actually sent me a picture right before I sent that tweet, and uh, it was a picture of my mom and my dad. And so growing up as a kid, my mom was always the paranoid one who would always say the things like, oh, you can't run with scissors. Don't run with scissors. And then so it became a running joke in our house that I would run around the house holding scissors. And um, But it's one of those things. You guys know me, for crying out loud, you guys had me for junior high PE. Yep. You know that I've never really really had a filter, never really been PC. And uh, so I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, I run with scissors. So I put it out there. It was, it was really weird, too, because, you know, my wife, Paige, who's from Lex, you know, yep. she was like, why did you randomly tweet? I run with scissors. Like you're so weird. So, uh, so yeah, you're now the second person to question me on that tweet. The first was my wife. The second is you. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of emails about that. When we put out the big promo, everyone was asking, you know, make sure you ask him why he runs with scissors. So we're just, we're just doing a service to the listeners. That's simply, yeah, it's that's simply what, what it is. Yeah. It's one of those things just, uh, living on the edge and, uh, you know, always do, you know, you know, you got to do you in life and, you know, whatever comes from it, you know, and, um, you know, you got to be yourself. There's too many, too many fake people in this world, too many people who, you know, stab you in the back, just try to get ahead. And, uh, you know, that's not what life's about. Just be a good person, take care of things and, you know, do things the way that you want to do them. Absolutely. And and before we get into your background and things like that, uh, AJ <coughs> was just telling me, we saw on Twitter, one of your players just had a big offer come in, some big news for Hilton Head football program. Talk about that, just how cool it is, and give us give us the details. Yeah, it's been crazy. So, you know, I was a little bit late for this podcast just because of uh, we have a 2020 recruit. Uh, he's only a sophomore, just turned 16 a couple weeks ago. Uh, just picked up an offer from uh, Alabama. Wow. Um, he was supposed to call them today at noon. So, you know, in the last week, week and a half, he's picked up pretty much every, you know, he still hasn't gone to Ohio State yet, but they're yep. right there. Clemson, LSU, um, they're all right there. But he's picked up, you know, anybody and everybody else across the country. And, uh, you know, he's an extremely, extremely violent football player. Yeah. And that's the only way to describe him. Um, he just does things differently. You know, he knocked out like five kids last year. Nothing dirty. Right. He just, when he hits, he finishes. Yeah. And, um, actually, Arizona State has, uh, they, they've been recruiting him pretty hard for about a month now. Well, if he needs a and, host. Um, he needs a host. Yeah, de definitely. I'd definitely. love to. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, it's, it's, it's an exciting time for him. I'm sure, you know, the people from the Under Armour game have already called me, you know, that he'll be end up being an Under Armour kid. And, awesome. Uh, he's, uh, he's a special kid. Great student, too. He's a 3-7 core. Um, he's in all honors classes. Uh, great kid. Um but it's funny because I had a reporter from a school ask me the other day, and they were like, you know, who's you know who's in the lead? Who's got the best chance right now? And I'm like, the kid just turned 16 two weeks ago. Yeah. He got his braces off a month ago, <laughs> and he's picked up 20 offers in a week. What do you mean who's in the lead? Right. I mean, he doesn't – but he grew up He grew up his whole life as an Alabama fan. Wow. So that, that offer was, was really big for him. Um, you know, I actually went over to his house last night to tell his mom and dad in person that – Bama was going to offer this morning. And ironically, you guys would love to hear this. Ironically, uh, they were very excited. But the first thing his mother said back was, he really wants Ohio State. 
Wow. Yeah. Cool. Doesn't so everybody we'll, see, we'll see if he gets that one. You know, he got Michigan. Um, he, got, he got Michigan State yesterday. Um, you know, he's had a lot of Big Tens, Indiana, Illinois. Um, but he's a he's a premier guy that'll end up being a five-star kid. He's, he's different now. Right. He's yeah. in a good way. Like he's, right. he's, he's a different cat. Yeah. Right. And now now you kind of mentioned Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State's a premier program. You know, their 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 logo, their brand, what they're about is notable all over the US if you play football, especially if you're a recruit that could end up going there. But do you think because you guys are in the south there and in Hilton Head, do you think the impact of you going to all these different schools when you take these kids to all these different camps and you go through that circuit, you know, up there in Ohio because there's a lot of great camps. I know for one like, you know, I went, I don't know if you guys have but I, um, when I was there, you know, Cincinnati has a great camp. Obviously, Ohio State's a great place to go. But do you think that you kind of really put those schools, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you're going to be on a kid's radar if you're offering to give them a free education and an opportunity to play football. But do you think, you know, you exposing them and them being on those campuses, you know, it, it's kind of uh, you're really giving that exposure and showing, you know, there's a lot of good, more football programs than Ohio State. You know, there's great football and great opportunities all over the state of Ohio and there through the Midwest. Yeah, and that's one thing, you know, I, I started the Tour de Pain, as it became affectionately known, uh, back at Lexington. It's It started with, like, three or four guys in a car. Yep. You know, and it was like, it was like Courtney Avery, David Willis, and uh, Tyler Dixon. Yeah. Like, those yep. three with me going around doing <laughs> different camps. And then, um, you know, it progressively got bigger from there. But, you know, the exposure is really big. We go to the Midwest, and every year when we go on tour, we go to Cincinnati, we go to Ohio State, we've been to Penn State, Pitt. Um, Are you there? Yep, yep, we're there. We're there. You cut out for a sec, but you're good. Well, ironically, it was because Clemson was calling me. Uh, They must have seen that the uh, Alabama offer came out. Okay. Um, (laughs) But um, they – you know, we go to all those schools in the Midwest, and there's a couple. There's a couple different reasons for it. Even when I was at Lexington, I would take the kids down, and we would go to NC State, yep. Duke, and East Carolina, and UNC Chapel Hill. And the reason for that was when I was in Lexington, I always thought, okay, all the MAC schools and the Big Ten schools are going to know about our kids. Yep. But let's go to a different region so they can find out about our kids. And it's the same here in Hilton Head. It's it's kind of twofold. Number one, people don't realize. And, and you'll you know this a little bit now being in the West. Yep. Is that all these schools aren't as close as people think. No. You know, so so it's it's a whole like from here to Clemson, even though it's in South Carolina, is a five hour drive. Yep. You know, like I get calls all the time from people like, hey, I'm in Myrtle. That's great. Myrtle's four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, like going to Georgia and Athens and then down to Miami and to Gainesville and then over to Tuscaloosa and to Baton Rouge. All those schools are so spread out. Yep. It, it's it's really hard to do it the way we like to do it. As far as like, we go up, stay in Cincinnati for four nights, and we'll hit Cincinnati's camps, Louisville's camp, Kentucky, right. Indiana, Ohio State, and we can hit them all. Um, so that's that's one one part of it. The second piece to it is the fact that you know the kids, our kids are going to get naturally recruited in the ACC and the SEC. Right. Um, but being able to get them exposure to the Midwest just brings a whole different, and, and our kids, you know, Hilton Head's a little bit different than people assume, you know, Hilton Head thinks, or, or the public perception of Hilton Head is that it's a rich, you know, preppy, you know, white school. And that's what, that's what people assume, you know, but we're, 
we're 40% white, we're 30% black, we're 30% Hispanic. We're a Title I school. So our school, our kids, 71% of our kids own free lunch. Wow. Um, and people don't realize that about Hilton Head. So a lot of times our, our kids, you know, there's some there's some rough areas here on the island that are as bad as any bad parts of Cleveland or Mansfield. Right. And our kids at times like to get away. Yeah. You know, so we've had kids go to Texas. We've had kids go to Purdue, uh, FIU, Marshall, Boston College. They tend to usually go out of state because they kind of want kind of want to get away. So I think opening up that that Midwest door has been really good. Uh, we had a kid last this year who signed with Michigan State, just going there, and um, you know that was his dream school. His mom's originally from Michigan. He's got three aunts who graduated from Michigan State. So um, you know, for us, it's a great thing really to get the exposure. I just we haven't worked all the way out West Coast yet. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, we almost flew into Texas and it worked back to East. Uh-huh. Um, but it's all about getting the exposure and getting these kids out, right. and, you know, giving them an opportunity. For sure. No different than what we did at Lex. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's let's start with some of your background. We're going to stay with football here because you played high school at Maslin, Washington. And obviously, Snowman and I here understand what Maslin's about. I've been in the McKinley game a few, two or three times, know what that's all about. But just, you know, some quick background for people. I mean, 24 AP Ohio State championships nine-time AP National Championships. Paul Brown was a coach there. That's what the stadium is named after. Guys like, you know, most recently, Gary on Conley, who was at Ohio State now with the Raiders, and Devin Smith, another big-time guy. And obviously, Chris Spielman. If you know football, you know Chris Spielman. What was it like being in that community and playing football there where literally football is is everything? I mean, it's like, you know, everyone talks about Texas, but, you know, this was kind of you know, it's, you know, Ohio football is nothing to mess around with either. And, you know, you could put Maslin up, um, you know, to a lot of these these uh, communities in Texas in terms of being football crazy and football obsessed. Yeah, it, it is. It, you know, it's in sense and it's got a lot of great things. Um, the, the, the few small bad things I, I'll talk about that, you know, people don't think about, but um, just the ability to you know, now it's a lot changed. You know, they, they have a $5 million indoor facility right. there. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Um, they've done a great job. You know, they, they, the new coach, Nate Moore, has done a fantastic job of bringing back Maslin guys. Yeah. Stu, Jarvis. Yeah, right. Um, you know, those guys. Um, but uh, it, it's absolutely tremendous. But uh, the, the only thing I would say that was bad about it was the fact that you know, you're, you're raised to play football at Maslin. Right. And that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. But the bad thing is, is when my junior year, for example, we went five and five. Oh, yeah. And, and you're raised to play football at Maslin, and that's all you're raised to do. And it's really hard whenever you take the game so seriously to look old timers in the eye. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, guys like legendary coaches that are like Nick Ferozas, who was a coach at Maslin for 40 years, and you'd see him downtown at McDonald's. And you know you'd have to look him in the eye, knowing that your team just went five and five. Yeah. And that's a and that's a that's a reality of what Maslin is. You know, you're a 16 year old kid with a lot of a lot of pressure on you. Now, I loved it. I wanted it. All yep. that. But that's the that's the part that's you know it's just such a you don't want to disappoint anybody. You know, you want to leave it all out there. And uh, you know, I love my time at Maslin. It was absolutely incredible. I couldn't imagine being raised anywhere else. Um, you know, but there's a, there's a ton of pressure on you uh, as a young man, and it's it's a great pressure to have, and have great football players. Like I always say, you know, programs are different, and, and everywhere you go, you know, and, and you guys have experienced this as players, 
you know, a lot of times you're at schools where you have, you know, you got four or five dudes and then you have like 40, 40 guys playing football. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're out to wear the jersey or to get a girl or something yeah. else. And it's not, it's not what they eat, live, breathe, yeah. sleep, think 24 right. cents. Yeah. That's when you get that. You get a hundred kids that do that. Right. Um, and it's, it's inbred in you and, and, and you're, you're, you know, you're born to be a Maslin Tiger and to play there and um, to try to go on after that. And, yeah. um, you know, Coach Car- Larry Karras, the legendary coach of Mount Union, yep. used to always say he never recruited kids from Maslin because if they weren't going to Division One schools, it was such a drop-off. Yeah. Because you were used to playing in front yeah. of 19,000 in high school. Right. And you go to, go to Mount Union and play in front of 3,000, yeah. and the energy wasn't the same. Yep. yep. Um, but it was... It was amazing. I was I, I told this story on Twitter a little while ago. It was about when Tiger King came out. Right. And yep. uh, by the way, she killed her husband. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, there's there's no doubt about this. This is an anti Carol yeah. Baskin podcast for sure. Yeah, yeah. Carol Baskin. <laughs> she she killed her husband. And um, but uh, you know, Baskin always had a live tiger mascot. Yeah. And yep. the guy who raised him, his name was Ed Hannon, and Ed used to live down the hill from us. And he would literally now. This wasn't when it was full blown because every year Maslin got a new tiger, right? Because they they got so big you could only control them so long, right? But he would walk that damn tiger every day in our neighborhood, like a dog. So That's crazy. Home, I would get home from two a days, and he would be walking Obi, and then so Obi was like the size of a dog. He'd come over. We always kept raw meat in the fridge. I'd go in and get some meat. Yeah, play with Obi. <laughs> and Obi was always nice to me. He used to scratch the hell out of my dad's arms, but uh. He, uh, he's doing, uh, but, um, but it's a special place. I mean, yeah. it truly is. And, um, you know, uh, Mike Zinkel Hartford, uh, legendary Lexingtonian has <laughs> yep. always said that, uh, you know, the tail doesn't wag the dog. I don't know if you guys ever heard him say that expression, Yeah. but he would yep. always say at Lexington, the tail doesn't wag the dog, which means one program is bigger than the other. Yeah. You know, but uh, and Maslin, the tail definitely wags the dog. Yep. And that tail is football, and uh, it's a unique, special place. And, you know, God bless Stu and Jar for being able to, to be a part of it right now. Right. And you, by you, the way, Jar, Jar is really fat. I don't know if you remember Jar. No, I, I don't yeah, know him. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Jar was at Lexington with me for three years. Yep. And, and Jar was a skinny DB in high school. He's running about 265 right now. So, He's, uh, he's, got, he's gotten pretty big. A little different. Yep. So, so you mentioned Mount Union, and that's a great segue to the next day. You go and play college ball at Mount Union. Now you said there's a drop-off and maybe the atmosphere, but Mount Union, along with, like, Wisconsin Whitewater or, like, the Alabama of D3 football, that's like them in the national championship, you know, every year, especially that, uh, you know, that one stretch. You know, Mount Union has, like, 13 national titles. Before we kind of talk about what it was like to go from – Maslin and then at Mount Union, another very winning program. Uh, did you did you especially want to take the job at Lexington just so you could rip off the Mount Union uniforms? Exactly. <laughs> I know it this. Is. It, oh, yes. The uniforms are exact. So yes. Here's, here's the story behind that. They're great. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Best uniforms ever. I can't, like, we're going to talk about how crappy they were after you left. But, I mean, I would have done the same thing. They're awesome. So here's, so here's, this, here's the story behind that. So when I first applied at Lexington for the job, um, I was I was the D-line coach at Canton Glen Oak High School for yep. three years. Yep. And I saw the Lexington job was open. And the very first thing I did was I looked up the Lexington football website. Right. And when I did, there was, there was two things that popped off right away, and I thought it was an omen. 
Number one was there, that the school was purple and white. Yep. I'm sorry, purple and gold. Um, to which I made purple and black. Yeah. But it was <laughs> purple and gold. And, um, uh, and the, the, the front page picture was of a player wearing number 66, which was my number. Yeah. So I thought it was, you know, a weird omen. End up going through it, getting the job. And my first meeting with, uh, one of my first meetings with Mike Ziggler, he said, hey, I know, you know, I need to get some new uniforms. So I took them exact, I called Mount Union and said, where do you guys get your uniforms? Yep. Instead of saying, you know, Raiders on the side, it said Lexington. Right. Same helmet. Literally, we ordered the exact same uniforms as Mount Union. Yeah. The only thing that was different was, is Zig told me, you have to have some gold in there somewhere. Yeah. So we did a very, very light trim of gold. But it was good because they usually go with the yellow and you went with the Vegas gold, which was just, it was like you said, it was just a little yes. bit, but they, but it popped. It made it work. They were gorgeous. Right. And that's one thing I've always, I've always prided myself on, you know, the uniform thing and it, because it means something to a lot of players. Yeah. Yes. You know, and people joke about the swag, the look good, feel good, play good, but it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, so we did that. And then uh, the one year I tried to mix it up a little bit. Um, it might have been my last year there. And we went with the LEX. Oh, yeah, I remember with those. The, with, the, with the skull and bayonets. Yeah. And so it looked like yeah. the LSU out. Right. So that's basically what we did, like, the LSU. So yeah. uh, but we were just trying to find something new. Um, and then since I've been at Hilton Head, every year we get the seniors get something that no other teams have had in the past. That's cool. So every year there's something new, whether it's a new jersey, a new pant, a new logo on the helmet, a new helmet, a different color helmet. Yeah. They always get something new. Uh, yeah. Which gets me yelled at by the previous seniors. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. But, uh, but yes, you know, and like I said, we did. I'm not going to lie. We ripped straight off of Mount Union. And there's, I don't think there's a better program to, to go from. And like you guys said, it was a, it was a, a great uniform. Combo. It was awesome. Yeah. And we even got black. You know, you know how many people in Lexington were pissed off about black? Oh, I Why? Really I, I don't. We don't I get really it. They, that's how it is. They lost their minds. Now you got to remember too, and 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 this is, I'm not gonna say it was before me, but I got several emails saying this. But people used to come on Friday nights not to see the football team, but to see something else. Do you know what it is? Hmm. No. The band. the band, the band, the band. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. duh! Yeah, people would come right before halftime. Yeah, watch the band show and then leave. And yeah, what in Lexington is the band's name? Band of Gold. Band of Gold. The Band of Gold. So yeah. I always got yelled at for not having gold in the uniform, but but and when I say yelled at, not by anybody important. Right. Right. You know, like three people in the village who had kids in the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, including one of them, which I have the greatest email of all time, uh, and it's still saved. I'm standing outside of my office right now. It sits in my office. Uh, Coach Hirschman actually framed it for me. It was from an email of a teacher at the high school who was also a band parent yep. who sent me a full-page email blasting me yep. about playing rap music for pregame and and for Ion's warriors had been led into war by the sound of trumpets and drums and said that we had we had personally ruined the band of gold oh my because god because people because people were showing up to watch football now yeah. instead of just the band 
Right. Well, what? you'd be happy to know that the band of gold draws. They have to pull eighth graders up from the junior high now in order to feel the band of gold. They've well, the only thing that confused me now, God, God bless them. I, I wanted them to be good. The yeah, only thing that confused not? me was is on game night. They weren't like a pet band. They weren't like a swing band. They were, they were like a competitive band. Yeah, they're a competition so they band. Right? On, they would come out on Friday night and basically do a walkthrough for what they were going to be performing on Saturday. Yes. At whatever band performance they were at. Right. And, um, you know, so, and, and, you know, they weren't interested in football and they left and, you know, but I always supported them and, you know, yeah. they had really cool uniforms and they did, all yeah. just that. And, uh, but yeah, they were the band of gold. And so they always wanted me to keep the gold, but I had a <laughs> lot of heat from band parents. I don't know why, but that's crazy. I guess, I guess it happens. Yeah. But we can't, we kind of came into Lexington and you guys can look back on it now because you guys were still young. Right. But yeah. you know, I mean, we kind of, I mean, when I came in with Bedre and Stu and Jar and Shai, it's different. I mean, we were, we were like the band of misfits. Like yeah. we came in, we were rogue as hell and came in there and kind of took over and everybody was like, holy hell. What did he do here? Right, because you, know, you wanted to come Zig in. Zig knew what he was doing. Yeah. You know, Zig knew what he was doing, but no, but nobody else did. Right. And, um, you know, it worked out because if you look at it, you know, you know, with the exception of, I think, three years, mm-hmm. you know, that, that regime has either stayed or been head coaches the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're looking back to 2006, so going on 15 years of me, the Stu, the Shine, yep. and then Shine's been there the whole time. And right. You know, yep. we all know Jeff Trickler's never going to leave. He's never leaving. <laughs> never <Nope>. leaving. <laughs> one, of, one of, like, what I kind of, I guess I attribute to me wanting to, like, coach football is cause my dad would always come in with Coach B on, like, Sundays or whatever it was. I don't remember. But, you know, to your guys' like, meetings. And I, he would always drag me along. Well, I always asked to come. And I'd go and sit in there and listen to you guys talk it up. That's where... I remember hearing you uh, discuss the legend of uh, Michael Bowles and uh, Andrew Hunt when they were freshmen. That was, that was like the first thing I remember from you. Those guys were crazy. They were animals. But yeah. yeah, so your dad was your dad was basically like how they have now in colleges where they have like offensive analysts. Yep. Yep. Or yeah. like senior analysts. Like your dad yep. would come in on Sunday night for game plan, and it's truly as as a staff we were so close. I mean, we literally did everything together. And uh, probably my favorite staff I've ever worked on there for a while when we had all those guys and, and Hirschman was there and, and you know, Blake Dixon. And it was, I mean, we would have our, our coaches meetings on Sundays would go for four hours and, and two yeah. and a half hours of it was not like a makeshift comedy show, yeah. which it wasn't <laughs> supposed to be. I'll never forget. This is like my favorite story. Of, uh, one of my favorite stories of all time there is, and you guys can imagine this because you know Stu so well. Yep. Is if you remember Bedre, you know, Bedre, you know, I love, you know, saying, you know, Bedre is 6'3", 6'4", about 280 pounds, Lebanese, and had a fantastic stutter. So yep. <laughs> what we would do is we would we would break down offense, defense, we'd go over both game plans, and, and one year we would explain to the other side of the ball what we were going to do because we had too many, a, a lot of two-way guys. Yeah. So the one time, Bedre gets up and he's telling the defensive staff what we're going to do on offense. And basically... What it was is we were going to line up. I don't know who we were playing, maybe Willard or somebody, but we are going to line up in twins right and run power to both sides. Yeah. So we're sitting at the table, and, and, and Bedre gets up on, on the chalkboard, and Bedre goes, so so, so this week we're, we're going to run twin, 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 twin. And then he stops. And then he goes, 
we're we're gonna gonna run run twins twins run right, then he stops. And by the way, is this a BC podcast or what? No, no, not at all, no. not at all. Okay. We're, we're out west, so but it's Arizona, a, so we're good. Then he goes, then he goes a third attempt, and he goes, we're gonna go tw- twins right, tw- tw- twins right, and we're gonna, and he couldn't get it out, and he goes, fuck it, we're gonna run the ball, <laughs> and that's all he says. And, and at that point, Stu pounds his fist on the table, stands up, and goes. Don't you fucking quit on that word. <laughs> we don't quit around here. And it was like the greatest thing of all time. Because Stu, Stu was irate because Bedre quit. He was like, we don't quit around here. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's my one Stu story. And I'll give you another one real quick. Is that one time we had a, a pregame. And so the whole year we had gotten, I think we got there from West Virginia, maybe, or yeah. Michigan, but they, they use the term flip the switch. Yeah. So whenever you went out to practice, you flipped the switch on or a game, and we came back from the locker room, you turned it off, and you mellowed out. And so we we went with that slogan for six months, flip the switch, flip yeah. the switch. Yep. And it was a great slogan. Game one, we're playing Ontario, and we kind of come out flat in the first, first half. Yep. And at halftime... Stu goes, can I talk to him for a minute? I said, yes, Stu, go ahead. And all the coaches are standing outside. We let Stu go on by himself. Yep. And Stu goes, for six months, for six months, we've been telling you guys to flip the switch. Well, guess what? And everybody just looks at him. Stu goes, there is no fucking switch. It's got to be on all the time. Do you guys understand me? And we're all the other coaches are standing outside. AJ, your dad was out there. We're all looking at each other. And we're like, Damn, that was like a six-month team motto. Yeah, he just washed it. it down the toilet and told everybody there's no switch. It's on all the time. Oh my and god, so, that's awesome. But, if, but obviously, if you know Stu, you know that's him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so like that's I said, great. we were uh, kind of the outcast, renegade type thing. Came yeah. In and uh, caught some people uh, probably a little off guard. Yeah, well, that's how you have to come in and, and change the culture. So let's get into some pro wrestling. Stuff and by the way, I just got this notification. We're probably gonna have to do like exit out, then go back because apparently on Zoom you can only have the meetings are only so long and you have to like upgrade it or something. So I got I got a timing here, so eight minutes. So we'll just have to whenever that gets close, I'll stop it and then we'll just redo. Is that that work? Yeah. Yeah. So but you know I'm a big talker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so let's we'll do a little bit of pro wrestling before we have to do that. Then so correct me if I'm wrong here. This is my diligent research for this for this show um from 99 to about 05 you spent time doing pro wrestling stuff ohio valley wrestling wwf there was even a wwe in there and some like nwa tna explosion so i just want to know like how the hell did you get started in this like tell us that and then also we've had other teachers like remember coach watkins back you know john watkins and there's been right. other guys, and like Johnny Paradise, and it's like, what is it about Lexington and just Ohio where all these guys find their way into some form of like minor league or like pro wrestling? Like, what, what is it? Is Ohio just like a pipeline? Because Snowman was telling me here that like Ohio Valley Wrestling is like pretty legit and people like get their starts there or they, you know, have appearances in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Yeah, so, um, so I'll tell you my story. I'll, I'll just say this. I know you're. I'm on time crunch here. But Coach Watkins, I don't think he ever did any wrestling things, but, you know, obviously he was a big lifter. Right. So the first time I ever met John Watkins, 
I went up and introduced myself and said, hey, coach, how are you? Yeah. The very first thing that man said to me was, what do you bench? <laughs> and I was like, I don't I don't know. I haven't maxed in about 10 years. Right. What, do you, what do you bench? And then he told me he benched like 900 pounds. Um, but the very first thing he ever said to me, he asked me what I bench. Um, God. So uh, my story with wrestling was uh, ever since I was four or five years old, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a pro baseball player, a fireman, a cop. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. So uh, when I went to Mount Union, started playing there, I, you know, always tried to market myself and to get into the business. Right. You know, I used to paint my face when I played and I wore WWE bandanas. Yep. And I was trying to get the attention of them. And, uh, <clears throat> So I finished up, uh, I played in the national championship game, the Stag Bowl, uh, my senior year. We won the game on Saturday. And on Monday, I started training um, in a ring in uh, Weirton, West Virginia. Yeah. So I would go to class during the second semester and then go down and start training. And uh, I was trained by um, a guy out of uh, Alliance, Ohio, named uh, uh, Greg. And uh, Greg would take me down and we'd get in the ring and then... Uh, I went to Ohio Valley Wrestling, and at the time, Ohio Valley was owned by the WWF. Okay. Which is WWE. Right. So they were owned by them. So they would they would sign guys and send them to Ohio Valley to prepare them before they got caught up full time. Yep. Like a AAA in baseball. Gotcha. So um, I signed with WWE, uh, went down there, and I was in the same class. It was me and Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton and John Cena and Sean yeah. Benjamin. Um, anybody and anybody who is anybody in the wrestling business was down in uh, Batista was in Ohio Valley at that time and um, was down there and uh, you know guys started getting pulled up having getting their opportunities and um, that's when I ended up having a, I had a neck injury during a training session tried to come back from that and then uh, wasn't able to come back yeah and then you know I got the, the the phone call that all guys get like hey you know I had just signed. Um, a new three-year contract and um but i was kind of useless so i understand why they did it because you know i was in rehab and yep. it was going to take like a year so um uh i had my degree to fall back on and so i went into uh went into teaching and coaching but uh i loved that time you know it was about it was still about 2003 and then that's when i came back okay um, i started teaching and coaching at glen oak but uh, met some of my best friends for life from there. Um, uh, Randy Orton, who is still really big, literally talk to Randy every day. Randy's like my little brother, and um, um, I, I would never take any of that back. It's a, yeah. it was a, a great time and met some great friends. And you know, it's always been a pretty cool transition. You know, being able to talk to people because you guys were like in junior high, and you're like, oh, we got a new football coach, and he's yeah. A, you know, former pro wrestler, and I remember there used to be like YouTube videos, and I think you like commented on them. Well, you yeah, know, it's so funny. I was just going back and I was looking at the YouTube videos, and they're funny as hell because you see, like, you know, like 10 years ago, right? People are commenting, and you can tell those are the Lex kids. Yo, this is my gym teacher. And now there's kids with like more recent comments that are obviously like your Hilton Head kids, like, yo, this is my gym teacher. And it's just so funny to see. I'm, right. I definitely probably commented on there. or And then even a while ago, it was so funny. I was telling you about this. Let me make sure. Are we still record. Yeah, we're still recording. Okay, good. Um, but uh, 
I, I went on a radio show when I was back home and we were doing a list, like how they're going around, like your favorite NBA player, blah, 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 favorite wrestler. I saw that. And it took you like months. I don't know how you just did it. It, it like was dormant. Then you saw it, but I was like, favorite wrestler. I'm like, BJ Payne, whatever. Like just throwing it down. So, so the reason why I saw that was is because uh, my son Cage, who's 13 now. Yeah. He's almost 14. Well, Cage was on like Twitter and did, yeah. just did like a search with my name. Right. Because he does that like every six months. And he was like, hey, check this out. And I saw it. And so I went on there and I hit the like button. But it was like like three years old or whatever it yeah. was. But uh, yeah, so, but it's, you know, it's an interesting piece. And, you know, not everybody can say that, you know, they got paid with checks written by Vince McMahon. And, yeah. you know, it was what I wanted to do. And, you know, I chased my dream and I accomplished it and had an injury and had to have an, another plan just like everybody else has to do in life. You right. Know? Yeah, we, we got, but it works out. Yeah, we got two minutes here. So one or less than a minute, less than a minute. Okay, let's pause this recording. I'm going to save it and then I'll send the link back and we'll pick this right back up. Sound good? Okay. Perfect. Sounds good. Perfect. And meeting. go and then did you forward that over can you forward that yeah. over to coach Payne? perfect yeah sweet yeah i don't know i just got that notification don't you fucking quit on me don't you fu that's fucking hilarious that is a legendary story absolutely legendary a lot of this is a lot of like inside inside joke shit which is funny and oh shit. it's great Coach Payne's coming in, connecting. All right, are we all good? Yeah, I think so. All right, perfect. Start recording here. I'm just going to make sure the audio is still going real quick. It's still going. Perfect. All right. All right, perfect. So we're picking up where we left off here, this little part two after a little Zoom difficulty. We kind of got through all the pro wrestling stuff here. Now, now, obviously, you know, so, so you knew that you wanted to get into teaching or coaching, or was there any idea, you know, you're in entertainment, you know, maybe you couldn't do like stuntman stuff because of your injury, but did you ever think about maybe seeing if you could get into any sort of like television or film or, you know, reality TV, anything like that? 
no, now looking back, reality TV probably would have been cool. Like, yeah. Something like that, because I probably would have, you know, I'm goofy enough to, to probably make that work. I don't, I don't, I guess I was always told I got a face for radio, so maybe I could have done radio. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I never really thought about anything else. You know, I, when I found out about the injury and I, I found out, you know, it's going to be a year rehab, um, uh, I actually called my former head coach at Maslin, who was now at Glen Oak. And I called the, the current head coach of Maslin, Rick Sheppis, and I called them both and told them. And uh, my head coach was at Glen Oak and told me he had been waiting for that phone call for eight years. And he said, I'll call you tomorrow morning. He called me the next morning and had a teaching and coaching job for me. Wow. So it, it was pretty easy to go ahead and make that transition and, and, and move back from Louisville back to Northeast Ohio. Wow. All right. So let's. we kind of talked about tour de pain. We're going to talk about more like coaching and things like that. But I want to talk about this All-American football camp that you've been doing. You started this back when you were at Lexington. And, you know, we're at little old Lexington here, and you're bringing in all of these guys. I mean, Snowman and I were talking about some of the names that we saw when we were little kids and going. I mean, we met, like, you know, like James Laronitis and, you know, the Heartlines. And, obviously, Denard Robinson made an appearance. Then I think I even saw Trevor Lawrence's name, you know, at the, when for uh, – Hilton Head. So obviously, you know, some of these guys, you know, like Hartline, I'm pretty sure was, was he at Glen Oak or you have some sort of connection there? Yep. Like, you know him, then obviously I'm sure Courtney was able to bring Denard from Michigan, but some of these other guys, you know, how are you able to bring these guys here? You know, I, I know you have an extensive Rolodex, but how are you, uh, how do you, how are you able to make all that work and bring all that together? So the, the way it originally started in Lexington was I wanted to do a camp um, in Lexington just for Lexington kids. Yep. And um, so I did it the first year, and, uh, you know, I had coached Brian Hartline at Glen Oak and Mike Hartline, his brother, who went to Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, so they came in uh, the first year, and I, I want to thank Nick Smith and uh, Brandon Long, who both played for me at Glen Oak as well, who were at Michigan State, came in that first year. Yeah. So then the second year, we run the camp, and, you know, I thought it would be a great idea to open the campus to all school districts. Yeah. And, and really show off the facilities we had at Lexington, you know, because we had the indoor facility and everything that nobody else had. Right. And, um, you know, just kind of show off, you know, what we had. And um, so then uh, they're coming in the next year. Brian calls me and says, hey, I got a couple other guys that want to come up and do the camp, you know, from Ohio State. Is that cool? And I'm like, yeah, who do you want? He was like, oh, well, James Laronitis wants to do it. Marcus Freeman wants to do it. Yeah. Donald Washington wants to do it. Yeah. Ockham Jenkins wants to do it. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, they can all come. Yeah. And um, so obviously in Ohio, it was it was very heavy-handed on Ohio State guys. Right. And then Courtney goes to Michigan. And then Courtney calls me and says, Coach, look, I'm coming for camp, but I got to bring my boys with me. Yeah. And Denard Robinson's coming, and Drew Dillio's coming, and Jabril Black's coming. So all those guys came. And then, um, you know, we ran the camp the same way, you know, as we yeah. do now. All, all NCAA rules, we're able to pay the guys, cover the travel. That's awesome. Um, back in Lexington, uh, we always laugh and tell this story, uh, when talking about the camp, is, you know, we would bring guys in, and we'd put them at the La Quinta Inn right there by Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, yeah, I mean, it was high dollar. I mean, it is. $49 a night. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so came down here to Hilton Head and started running the camp. And um, so now we, we bring the guys in, and obviously we fly them in. And, um, you know, they're paid to work the camp. But we put them up at the, the Sinesto, which is a five-star uh, oceanfront resort. Oh, yeah. And, uh, 
we've had everybody. I mean, Ohio State, we've had J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber, Zeke, uh, Braxton, uh, J.T. Barrett, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, um, Alvin Kamara when he was at Tennessee with Cam Sutton and Jalen Reeves Maven. And then, you know, Richard LeCount, Raekwon McMillan, and Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence. And those guys now are in the NFL and still come back to do the camp. That's incredible. Yeah, so I awesome. get texts because they love it because we truly, we protect them. Yeah. We don't let people bring things to get signed right. or anything like that. So Raekwon McMillan has done the camp for five or six straight years now. Wow. Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins were first-round picks last year, came back. Jair Alexander of the Packers. Um, those guys love working the camp. Um, the only thing that sucks is right now with everything going on, you know, the camp was scheduled for May 8th through the 10th. Yeah. So it looks like we're, unless we can somehow try to get it in, in July, I don't think we're going to have the camp this year. But yeah. we had um, we had Justin Fields coming this year, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, um, Ward, the DB from Ohio State was yeah. coming. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, uh, Cade. I talked to Kate about coming down. Yeah. Um, but it was going to be, you know, as big as any other year. And now it's gotten to a point where it's so big now. It's kind of like, how do you top the year before? Right. Right. Like, who are you bringing in that's going to top the year before? Because, like, we've had, we had Deshaun Watson here. Yeah. So when Deshaun was here, everybody's like, oh, it'll never top. You know, when you had Zeke, you could never top Zeke. Right. Then we had Deshaun. Yeah. How are you going to top Deshaun? Then you get Trevor and Justin. You get Trevor. Yeah. Then it's Trevor and Justin. Yeah. And it's one of those things. But, you know, those guys truly love doing it. And what I think we're going to do next year, because next year will be the 15th anniversary of the camp. Wow. And so I was going to bring in just 15 guys that are all in the NFL now. Yeah. No college guys. Yep. But, yep. you know, the top 15 guys, so Zeke, Jair, Christian Wilkins, you know, Dexter, you know, Puno, I got who plays for the yep. Seahawks. Yep. You know, all those guys, the top 15 guys that are, you know, doing it, Deshaun, the guys that are in the NFL killing it now, making it just the NFL guys for one year as like an anniversary right. type thing. Do something special, yeah. change it up. That's really cool. But it's so, crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's nothing like, and I tell people this all the time, Trevor Lawrence did this camp last year. Deshaun Watson did the camp three years ago. Nobody, nobody, nobody in the history of the All-American football camp of 14 years has been as big of a rock star as James Laronitis. Yeah. When it came to pulling in people. James Laronitis, I tell people this all the time, he would have 20 to 30 moms in lawn chairs in front of his drills. And James, at every time, would start it off the same way. Me and Marcus Freeman still joke about it. Is at 9 a.m., you know, the camp would go from 9 to, 9 to noon. So at 9 a.m., James would have on a long sleeve T-shirt. At 10, he would take that off, and it was just a, a wife beater, yep. hang time. And then at 11, he would take that off. And it got to, you know, James did the camp like three years in a row to where the moms would be like, hey, uh, it's 11 it's, 10. It's, it's time. time for the tank time. Right. <laughs> so, but James Laronitis was as true of a rock star in Ohio football as you could ever have yeah. as an Ohio State. That's really That's cool. That's awesome. So how many kids you got running around in the house of pain right now? How, how has it been with this, this whole quarantine situation? So how long till this goes live? <sighs> oh. Well, this is probably going to go up 
Got one come maybe next Monday, so maybe the twenty or might be this might even be beginning of May. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. I usually put them out on Monday, but I got a bunch stockpiled. I might just start uploading twice a week, so it'll be okay, so, like at least a so week. By, by the time this gets released, it'll be known that number six is on its way. Wow! All uh, right, so, congrats. So, um, yeah, so you know, I'm obviously married previously, and I have all older ones. Right. So, um, Kyle's twenty. Five now, Kaya seventeen, Cage is thirteen, yeah, and then um, Cassius is five, King is three, and then we have a, another little girl on the way. Wow! So congratulations! Really it's actually thank you. It's it's a really cool story. Yeah. Cage had said we were done after two. Yeah, no more. And then my nephew, who's like my little brother, said to me, he said, "Coach, I was thinking about something." He said, "You had Kyle in the nineties, you had Kanye and Cage in the two thousands." You had Cassius and King in the 2010s. If you have a baby born after 2020, you will have had a baby born in four different decades. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a big deal. That is a big, that deal. Is a big deal. So that made Paige, you know, eager. And, uh, you know, I always say, I think at times I was trying harder than she was. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, number number six is on its way. That's awesome. So, that is awesome. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the whole Instagram thing where yep. she holds the sign that says like he got me pregnant again, and I'm gonna hold one that says she can't keep her hands off me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We're breaking news <laughs> yeah. here. We're breaking news. Um, yeah. But the good. But here's the thing: is you know this is a very important aspect. Is at any type of family reunion thing, I now have one to come off the bench. Yes. Yep. Yep. So if, if somebody's tired, cramping up, something, need to get a break. Yep. You know, cramp up like LeBron in the finals. I can pull them out. Yeah. And I can put another one in. Yep. And, and we're good. Then you're so, good. That's. Yeah. Is it getting a little? Is it get? Is how has the quarantine been? Because you know, no matter how long you're around, you know how much you love the people you're around. You're in that tight. You know, you're in that space. You know, for a while. You know, not with much going on. Eventually, people are going to start to get on your nerves. I assume, like, is it tough to keep them like stay on their schoolwork? Like, how how is how's that whole dynamic? Because you know, I know AJ's you know told me some stories. You know, sometimes there's good days and bad days. And like me, I'm out here by myself, and it's like weird. So I mean, there's just no uh, all these situations seem like win you know win lose situations. You win some, you lose some. It's been you know it's been pretty good. You know, um, you know Kyle, my oldest is in Ohio, he's 25, and, you know, he's engaged and, you know, lives with his fiance. Yeah. But then, you know, Kaya is easy because, you know, she's 17, she's graduating a year early from high school. Cool. So she knows where her focus is and she gets her stuff done. Then the three-year-old's just nuts. He runs around the house like he's crazy. <laughs> the five-year-old will do some of the stuff. The challenge one is Ben Cage because he's 13. Yeah. You know, he's in seventh grade. He thinks he knows everything. And it's always, I'll do it tomorrow. I got yeah. all week, Dad. Put most of my time. Right. You know, I got, I'll do it tomorrow. Then all of a sudden it's Thursday, and he goes through the old shit moment because right. he's got to do, you know, five assignments for each class. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's started to stagger and do better with it. And, yeah. Uh, but it gets it gets a little crazy at times. Yeah. But uh, but well, the crazy part too is that so Paige works for a tennis company, so she's working from home. They, yeah. they sent them home about a month ago. So she has to set up shop in our bedroom yeah. from nine to five and be on her phone or her computer the whole time. And I have to be the one who's the yeah. security guard yeah. keeping yeah. All, the, all the kids from going in there. So especially the three-year-old. So, yeah. um, 
So it's been it's been interesting, but yep. you know it is what it is. You can only make the best of any situation, right? Binge. And if you think your glass is half full, get a smaller glass. Yeah, right? there you go. There you go. <laughs> Binging or watching anything good right now? Uh, just finished finished Tiger Tiger King. Yep. Nice. Uh, which was phenomenal. It was yeah. everything white trash that I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was absolutely the first fifteen minutes just captivates you. Uh, just everything. Um, it was phenomenal. Um, other than that, not really. Um, last Dance. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's going to be a point. That's I, know, I know you guys are big Cavs guys, but Jordan's the best ever. It is what yeah. it is. Snow, snowman, <laughs> snowman will fight you back. I'm like, I've never seen him play, so I really, I can't say much because it's way – like we talked my about – My only I, – I agree with you. Growing up, I was a huge Jordan fan. But then as I'm like getting older here, I'm just thinking there's only one guy in the history, and that's LeBron, that can at the beginning of every year – say, all right, I'm going to lead the league in assists or points or rebounds. And then he could go out and do it with, without a problem. That's great. Right. Who's, whose shirt are you wearing right now? That's true. See, you got me. But you see, that's what I'm saying. I love Jordan. I love him to death. Yep, there we go. Yeah, but here's, but here, here's the thing about – here's the thing that gets lost. There's two things that get lost. And I always have this argument with all the young kids now because, you know, they only know right. LeBron. They don't, they don't know Jordan in his heyday is that Jordan was NBA Defensive Player of the Year like nine straight years. Right. And People that's, that's how definitely good he was. Mean, wait, a defensive first team or defensive? There was no way he was Defensive Player of the Year nine straight times. A defensive look like first look, team? See, I don't, I don't know if it was nine, but look it up. But he was close. Let me look at this. Now, I believe he was on the all-defensive team, but I don't know if he was Defensive look up, Player Look up of the year. how many times he was the Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA. Okay. Well, I'll look it up. Coach, while, while Joey looks that up, I yep. just feel like I should uh, give my – formal uh, future acceptance of if you want me to come to the All-American football camp and be a <laughs> kicking instructor, I'm more than happy to. I'll even fly myself down. You don't even have to fly me down. Well, hey, well, I'll get you down here. I can get, those, I can get, those, I can get those round-trip Allegiant flights for like 32 bucks a piece. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring, I'll bring all – hey, we got a couple All-Americans at the D2 level that will come down. No, that allegiant that allegiant flight. You're gonna have to carry your bag and a chicken on your lap, but we'll get you here. <laughs> right. Okay. So I have it. Michael Jordan won Defensive Player of the Year one time, but I believe you that for nine straight years he was probably on the All Defensive First Team or at least one of the teams. No, absolutely. How many times? How, how many times has driving kick been on there? Well, I know LeBron, the, the two years he won the first two MVPs, I think he was the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know about how many times he's been on the Defensive Player of the Year team, Here, though. But here's the, here's there's two things. Number one, when you watch Jordan play and there was a game going on, yeah. when there was 10 seconds left in the game, there was no question on who was taking the shot for the Chicago Bulls. Right. It didn't matter if he was double-team, triple-team, he made it or missed it. Michael Jordan took that shot. Yeah. How many times in your career – have you seen when the game is on the line, LeBron drives and it kicks out to somebody on the edge to shoot a three to win a game? Right, he but that's just different. Pressure. It's also different mentality. Like they're just different. Like, do you think that's maybe maybe early on LeBron was tentative? But do you think he's actually afraid to do that, or is he just trying to make the right play? You're you're either a dude or you're not. Like yeah. like take it on. You know, yeah. it's that. You know, the only other person that had that mentality like Jordan was was Kobe. And everybody right. talks. Mamba mentality, right. you know, and here's, here's my end all on anything. Whenever this conversation comes up yeah, is there's one step that sticks up. 
Yeah. Do you know what Michael Jordan's record was in NBA final game sevens? Well, he never played one. He finished everybody in six. <laughs> but I see at the end, see, like I hear that and I get that. But my pushback is always who cares? Like just win the series, whether it's in four games, five games, seven games. Like, you know, I'm not. He never gave anybody a chance. I mean, you're talking, you know, you're talking a guy went six and oh. Yeah. And I don't want to hear that he had great talent around him for Christ. He had BJ Armstrong and Bill Cartwright on his teams. Look up Bill Cartwright's free throw states. He used to take the ball and put it over his head like he was throwing water balloons. Look at Tristan Thompson. He's left-handed shooting foul shots right-handed. <laughs> well, he had a Kardashian though. That was That's that true. was before the that was after the championship. That was before we were cursed. But yeah, no, I'm not, we're not gonna. But um, let's wrap this up. Let's do some quick hitters here. You know, I have some like rattle off questions. Um, okay. Who is the? Go. I'm ready. All right. Who's the best player you've ever coached? Puna Ford. Puna Ford. Um, what about coached again? Uh, can, can I give? Can I give a? Can I give a second? Absolutely. Yep. Michael Gallick. Oh yep. yeah, I agree with that. Yep. I like that one. What about coached against? Uh, a kid going to West Virginia this year named Sam Brown from New Hampstead, Georgia. Okay. What, what position? Uh, receiver. Okay. And he, he has an NFL body and is unreal. And uh, the week we played him, you know, we were really good in the secondary this year. Yeah. And we thought we were going to be able to shut him down. And uh, we didn't realize that their their starting quarterback got a concussion like Tuesday in practice. Oh wow! So they put him as the quarterback and ran Wildcat with him. Oh, nice. Was, yep, that'll do. <laughs> yep. He's about six three, two hundred, and can run. He ran for like two sixty against us. Uh, but he's gonna be he's gonna be really special. He was he was elite. Gotcha. Uh, but back to Lexington days. Yep. Um, uh, Taylor House, right? Ashley. Yeah. Yep. And. Uh, Probably Chase Hubler from Orville. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Those guys names. were really good. But uh, by the way, the Michael Gallick thing, dead serious about that. I've had probably 40 guys sign D1. Yeah. Michael Gallick wasn't one of those guys because he was 5'9, 165 pounds, slot safety. Yeah. But he was probably the second best all around player I've ever coached. Wow. Wow. Now, did you ever have AJ Snowman was telling me this might be a possibility? Did you ever have CJ McCollum in class when you were at Glen Oak? I did. So, I, I had there was two guys that went up when I was there. Yeah. So the first guy was Costa Kufus. Yep. Who's been in the Ohio NBA State now. legend. Yep. Yeah. So Costa was at Glen Oak, and I always tell this story to anybody who thinks that they're going to be a D1 basketball player. Yeah. When we would go out for two a days at Glen Oak, it was 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Costa was on the outside hoop shooting. Yep. We would come in for that first practice at 10, and he was still shooting. Wow. We would go out for the second practice at 2.30, and he was still shooting, and we would come in for that second practice at 6, and he was still shooting. Wow. And I would leave the gym or leave the school at 8 p.m., and he was still outside shooting. Wow. 13 hours a day. Then I actually taught at um, Middle Branch and at Taft Middle School. At Taft is where CJ went. Okay. So I was a varsity coach, but I was teaching there. So every day I'd walk past the gym. And CJ was small at the time. Yep. He was, you know, he really shot up late. He was small, and CJ used to sit in there with a ball about the size of his head. He had a big head, and he, but he was a little kid with a ball. And I would say, CJ, man, we got to get your butt out to football, man. You got you to go play football. 
He said, no, nah, coach, I'm going to be in the league one day. And he would just sit there and shoot threes. Yep. Just shoot threes and shoot threes. Every single day for six straight months, he would tell me, no, nah, coach, I'm going to be in the league. And he looked like he looked like a little kid. He was like five foot, you yep. know, whatever, four foot five, and just shooting threes. And, you know, and it, but he was right. He, he ended up, you know, he's in the league. What's, what's he making, like $40 million a year? Oh, he's doing <laughs> just fine. He's good. He's yep. a great player. I mean, Portland's fun to watch. Him and Lillard, they're awesome. I mean, he's no Jamie Fike, but he'll do. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. There's yeah, not a lot right. of Jamie Fikes out in the NBA anymore. Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, told, I told our basketball coaches a story about Jamie Fikes. When, when Jamie took over at Lexington, you know, they, they were pretty they were pretty big at Tanner, Kyle, oh, and yeah. those guys. Yeah. And he would come out there with a with a with a forearm shiver bat and just and beat the hell out of those guys in practice. Yeah, because yeah. he was all about rebounding and stuff and and playing physical ball. And he did a he did a great job. It was a joke by Jamie, but he he did a phenomenal job. Alexander was there. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember when he took that kid? Remember that little squirmish? I don't, you probably weren't there. It was at Orville when he took out that one kid. There was a little squirmish down below a basket at the end of a game, and he had to walk out there and he like just yanked this Orville kid off of someone. Do you remember hearing no, about I that? Did not, I did not know about this. Oh, it was pretty terrifying because it got, you know, it like you can see it happening. And it was on TV. It was probably the WMFD game or whatever. And Orville just hammered Lex. I think this was in Jamie's first year. And it was down below the basket. And, you know, you can start seeing it pick up. And, and Fike is on the sideline closest to where it was happening. And you just see him start to walk. And he's not in a rush, but you can he's walking with conviction. You know, all six, eight of them, and you know, he's jacked. And right. he just grabbed this kid by the back of the collar at Orville and just, you know, with ease, you know, they had a big, tall kid. He was kind of stringy, but just launched him off. You know, they got into something. I don't know who he was on top of, but it was, uh, it was pretty terrifying. Well, the, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in class about three years ago and um, it might've been right after school or whatever, but I'm not going to mention any names, but you guys will know what I'm talking about somebody comes up to me with their cell phone. They're like, Hey, is this your Lexington back in Ohio? Yeah. And it was, a oh, God. From, yeah. And it was all world star. Yes. Like, yeah, that was me. That was my, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. my goodness. That's all world star. Yeah. It's, like, that's your Lexington. I'm like, yeah, man, we're, I mean, straight thuggish up there. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So AJ played in that game and you remember yeah. the, the video, the video was kind of shot. The one I saw on world star was shot from like the student section opposite of where the uh, scores table is. Right. And, and, you know, Lexington, you know, you know, they're kind of split up into three sections, those bleachers. And, you know, on the, if, if you're facing it, you know, on that left side is where the Lex bench is. And I was sitting right up there. And then in the mi middle, you know, is that railing, you know, to walk right. up the steps. And then right here, kind of behind, you know, about six rows up behind the scores table is where the fight happened. So I'm looking at it, you know, literally across the aisle. I'm just looking at it right here. And all of a sudden... And I'm like looking up and all of a sudden this guy came from the top and went right past my shoulder, like almost knocked me off balance and then jumped in there and just started hitting people. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He literally came up from, you know, like the rafters from the nosebleeds and just came down and started right. hitting people. Do you, coach, and, do you know, do you know like what happened in that? Or did you just see the video? I, I know who was involved. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Who was it against? Yeah, Worcester. Well, so Worcester. one of the Worcester kids punched uh, Mr. The Grandpa Stover. Right, but I assume I, no. I think like, there had to have been some sort of. Well, no, no. It was like it was like kicking and screaming. Iron Mike Dicka, like you know, trying to punch Robert Duvall, but hits Will Ferrell in the face. Like I'm pretty sure it was like that kind of. Yeah, that kind of. There was situation. some talking, and I think this kid, this kid who was involved with it, you know, who's now teammates with Puna with the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, 
you know, his little brother was in the game. That's why he was there. And, you know, he was still in college at the time. But, I, you know, there was some talking back and forth. And, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, this is what happened. You know, this was w- what was said. I mean, right. I really don't – we would probably would never know exactly what was said. But there was something that was said. And then there was a squirmish. And I think someone was in the middle. And when they got hit, you know, kind of unintentionally or, you know, they stepped to them, whatever it was, it just became crazy. And all of a sudden, one guy who was a dad of, you know, a Lexington dad, like we said, we're not going to say any names – but I mean, he cleared like three row, like four rows out, and all of a sudden they tumbled down. It was a freaking mess. I mean, it almost took out it, it took out a media desk that was behind the uh, scores table. Like it was insane. Hey, if, you, hey, if they want to take that down to Centennial Park and finish it, let's go. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. as, long, as long as it's not flooded. People are talking. People are talking crazy at Bucks that night. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Not as but that I see. But did you ever hear about the fight? There, well, I was in a fight. The snowman was a spectator on the outside. But it was before my senior year of high school at a, one of those uh, basketball shootouts. You know, you go to like we were at Worcester High School, oddly enough, and you know you just play all day. And we with Kent McKinley, your old rival, your still rival, Kent McKinley. We were in. I'll have to send you the security video. It's pretty ridiculous. We were playing, and we were just at team camp, basketball team camp, the two days before. So we're dead. And this is literally, you know, that 10-day, like, dead period that they give you, you know, over, like, through July 4th. Like, if you're going to go on a summer vacation, you do this. There's no sports. So this was literally the day before that started. We're in this shootout. We don't want to be there. We're playing Canton McKinley. We had, like, six guys on our roster. Yeah, everyone, like, a bunch of people had already left. And, you know, we have a bunch of JV kids because they're the only ones that are around. A lot of the varsity guys were gone. And we're playing this game against Kent McKinley, not confrontational. We're literally playing zone because we're too tired to run around with people. And we're just kind of, we're literally just going through the motions. And then all of a sudden I'm running down the floor and this McKinley kid just shoves me to the ground. I'm like, what the hell? They call foul. So I get up. And of course, you know, Joey's on all 120 pounds of him walks over, you know, you know, trying to be a hard ass, you know, golfer, golfer guy here. And, you know, like, I appreciate Joe and Joey coming over, but sometimes it's like, dude, like you just got to chill out. So he gets in the, So, you know, he walks to him acting like, you know, he's the enforcer here. I'm just like, and I get in between them and I'm like, guys, like chill, like whatever. And I literally, I just put my hand on this kid's chest just to stand in between him. I didn't shove him. None of this. I literally was just like this. Then all of a sudden that happens and boom, clocks me right across the face. And then I go down and then Joey grabs this guy and then we're playing on the side courts. They have the bleachers pushed back. Um, but they're out a little bit for fans and we end up in the bleachers and I'm getting like beat up and you can see AJ just kind of like on the outside, like, I didn't know what was going on at the time. I was all the way at the other side of the court. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially I ran down there. Yeah. He runs down there and he's just looking. Then all of a sudden I make it out and all of a sudden, and and I'm good. I'm like, Oh, thank God I got out of there. You know, probably took three or four punches. Joey is bleeding down his face. And then all of a sudden I get tapped on the shoulder. I turned around. It's the kid who hit me the first time. Sucker punches me again, and they have this big kid who I think ended up. Where do you play? Do you play football? He's playing or football, playing tackle at Akron. Yeah, huge guy, like six seven, and just starts like you know without the curb was just curb stomping and kicking me in the head. Like it was, it was bad. It was really bad. I I, I can't imagine a couple of things. Joey on fighting. <laughs> well, the reason <laughs> he got some shots in because I had this kid. I grabbed him. And so he has no arms. So he's like this, and I got him, and Joey's just punching him in the face. I can't, I can't believe this guy tried to end your Instagram modeling career. <laughs> and and the, the third thing, the, 
the craziest thing about the whole story that I'm going to keep with me until the day I die is that you just said we were playing zone against McKinley because we had some JV guys and we were tired. Yeah. You want to play man against McKinley with your starting five. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's probably That's true. true. Good point. Good point. But I love the way you threw it in. Oh, we were playing zone against them because, yeah. you know, we had our young kids. Yeah. We were playing. We were just too tired. And we're like, I don't even think Coach, like Hammy, I'm pretty sure, probably told us to play man. And we just took it beyond ourselves <laughs> that we're just going to play the worst zone of all time. Hey, so I got a question. Back to that fight from three years ago. Yeah. Was Sue Wyrick still working at the school then? No, I think no, she had been I gone. For, so. I don't I don't even know if she was there when I went to high school. Maybe before I okay. went to high school was her last That's year. a good question, though. That's a really good question. Not because because she, she didn't put up with anything. She, no. you know, she would have secured the student section. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, – I don't even know what happened. It was probably just John Watkins yelling at people or asking how much they bench, and that was the most security that happened that night. First question a man ever asked me, how much do you bench? <laughs> I mean, it's legit. I remember walking to the weight room one time, and he's just like has 225, and he's just doing like skull crushers. I'm like, this guy is a freaking – he's insane. Hey, listen, I want, I want you to do me a favor. Yeah. I want you in honor of John Watkins. Yeah. The next time you do one of your interview things yeah. at a bar, yeah. I want you just to ask every guy what they bench. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, call, just call them over and say, hey, what do you bench? Yeah. And see what they say. I, I really want to see this. That's actually pretty funny. That's actually great. I'm yeah. writing that down. I'm writing that down. Because, because I will do it now. Like, I'll, we have a, our, one of our other PE teachers here is a track teacher yep. or a track coach. And he's about 5'10", about 122 pounds. Yep. So I always have students go over to him and ask him, like, hey, what do you bench? And so I've done it in public settings before, too, yep. where I'll just see people and say, hey, what do you bench? Right. And the reaction you get from people is amazing. Yeah. Because the last thing they're ever expecting you to ask is, is what they bench. Right. That's pretty so awesome. I, w- I want you to do that. One of your next street interviews or okay. whatever. Ask people what they bench press. I like that a lot. And even maybe I'll even mix it in with like, we'll be asking one thing and then I'll just be like, oh, one last thing. How much do you bench? And they're going to be like, wait, what? how was that That's related? Great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll really catch right. them off guard. I even got, oh, I don't know where it is right now, but I got one of those little, um, I got this idea. I think it was when Will Farrell was like guest hosting one of the Tonight Shows and he'd be doing an interview and all of a sudden he just would ask someone like, wait a second, how much do you weigh? And they would just, and they would be like, what? And they would like say whatever they weighed and they would, and he would take out this little, like, like little binder notebook and just write it down, then put it away and then just go on with the interview. And people would be like, what the hell is going on? So maybe that's what I'll do. I'll I'll bring a little golf pencil, my little notebook, and I'll just keep it for my own data and then just send them on their way. I want to hear the answers. Beautiful. (laughs) Well, this was really fun. Coach Payne. Let's see if I, I think I got one last quick hitter. For you here, um, who would you say is? Or actually, let's let's talk about this. I see on social media and stuff like that. You and Cage, you make some road trips and you go and see some of your former players, especially when they go to the league. Just like how cool is that? Not only to share that with your son, you know, I'm sure your son has a relationship and knows these guys as well, and these guys know your son. And then you go and see them. I mean, they're living out their dream. You know, you're their high school coach or or you know whatever. You help them facilitate them to, to get to school and now they're you know playing football for a living just like how cool is that experience and you know some of the, you know that just enhances the experience when you know someone's out there and maybe you get to meet with them before or after the game you know just just kind of talk about that yeah you know it's it, it's something that's really cool you know we 
been fortunate to be able to do some of those things. And uh, I've kind of I've kind of made a new rule now with my guys here, and it's kind of to keep them grinding at the next level. Is for all my guys who go on to play college ball, I always tell them I won't go to see them play until they start. Um, so that keeps them motivated, yep. you know. So that way they're like, "Hey, you're gonna come watch me play." And I always tell them like, "I'm not gonna fly or drive eight hours to watch you, you know, on the sidelines. Right. I can do that at home." Yeah. Um, but it's really cool, and you know, um, you know, see these guys have the chance to flourish in college. You know, we've been to bowl games to see guys. Obviously, NFL games is really cool, and then you know, Cage is a very charismatic kid. People fall in love with him, and yeah. it's it's. It's crazy, but you know he's built like his own relationships too. Like him and Jair Alexander, the Packers. Yeah, Jair came down to work camp, and Jair and Cage became best friends. They yeah. text each other like every day. <laughs> That's like awesome. Jair was like texting him and sending him photos from the green room. Yeah, when he's a first round pick. Yeah, and um, so we had to go see Jair play and, and stuff, and uh, so he just has that dynamic personality. But it's you know it's really cool and it's it's really awesome. Like I tell Cage all the time is that. You know, he doesn't realize it, but one day he's going to look back and realize, like, shit, I had a pretty cool childhood. Yeah. You know, because the kid's always at NFL games. He's at major college games. Yeah. You know, he was supposed to be, we were supposed to, this is going to be his first year because, you know, with Randy, he still goes and he's in the back with Randy the whole time at WWE shows. Yeah. You know, he's going to sit front row at WrestleMania this year. And, I mean, he's, he's, he's lived a pretty good life. So anytime he tries to complain about something, you know, like, like why I don't buy bagel bites at the store or something. I'm like, hey, chill out, man. You, yeah. You've lived a pretty good life for, you know, at 13. You've done a lot of stuff. But um, but it's it's awesome, you know. Um, you know, it's one thing that, you know, I've always hung my hat on is giving, giving kids the opportunity at the next level and, and really, you know, pushing that piece and, you know, getting kids that, that you know, it changes their lives and their families' lives. You know, families who can't afford college or, you know, somebody like Puno who's not made it, he'll be able to change, you know, his family, you know, for generations. Right. Once he signs a second contract is, is a pretty special feeling, you know, making a difference. And, you know, everything works out for in life how it does. And, you know, the, the, the injury in wrestling led me to this path and, you know, being able to make a difference and, and truly knowing, I know people say it all the time, but truly knowing where, what my why is. And, and being able to make a difference for these kids is, is really uh, where I had my at. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Coach. Thanks so much for your time. This was really fun. Glad you're doing well and the family is uh, safe and healthy and just um, wishing that that continues through all these crazy times. I appreciate it. By the way, if my goatee looks great, it's just the shade from the car. That's <laughs> Yes, we, we will. I will preface that in the whole intro to this thing. Make, yes. make sure everybody knows that. Yep. All right, great. Thanks, Coach. All right, guys. I appreciate you. Of course. All right, so thanks to BJ Payne and producer Snowman for coming on and taking the time. It was a really fun episode. Enjoyed a lot of laughs. Always great catching up with those guys. And of course, most importantly, thank you to you, the listeners, for listening. As always, remember, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, we are available. So please like, subscribe, leave a friendly review, tell everyone about this podcast, and I will talk to you guys very soon.